ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome into this week's episode of WFUV's Nosebleeds. Will Talent, Lou Orlando joining me today. I'm Miles Grossman. It's a packed show for you today. We'll talk some Yankees later on, discuss a change at the helm of the Angels in the firing of Joe Madden, and of course the Kings of Queens in Mets, and much more. But before we really get into it, Will, Lou, how are we doing today? All right, listen, man, dude, I'm so stoked to be with you guys. We said it before, man, like we saw this crew and I just knew it was going to be a fun time. We got two two really strong baseball guys right next to me. So this is going to be, I'm good. It's good. Oh, I, I, I second that, Lou. I've been so pumped to do this all week. Saw the staff assignments on Sunday and I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. I'm ready to talk ball with you guys. It's going to be fun. And it's going to be, it's been an interesting week in New York baseball as well. The New York Mets are are, are the most interesting week in the past month or so an up and down week to say the least. They're now coming off back-to-back losses, Marte and Alonzo battling some injuries a couple nights ago. Lou, what's the latest on those two? Yeah. You know, those two are day to day, which I think you you really have to be, to be thankful about that. Cause if you were to lose those two for any significant amount of time, I think, the Mets have been relatively lucky, lucky with their batters have stayed healthy, right? The pitching, we know about the pitching, losing DeGrom, losing Scherzer, losing McGill for some time, but that, that offense has stayed healthy for a lot of the year. So any, any thought about losing Alonzo and Marte for any significant period of time, I think would have been a pretty brutal blow to have them be day to day is huge for them. It is. No, I would agree. It's a huge break. Absolutely. They're both, hit, they're both not hitting the IL. But they're both weird injuries to me. You know, it's the quad for Marte and it's it's the wrist for Alonzo. And to me, those are two kind of they're injuries that will, won't put you on the IL, right? But they might they might mess with your game in a more Good detrimental linger. way. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you could you could see uh, Pete Alonzo. You know, he's a guy. He's a big power hitter. Pete Alonzo needs to walk into the box ready to smash that baseball, knowing he's going to smash that baseball. If his grips feeling a little off, right. Every little thing could, could affect him. So I don't know. Same with Marte. It's like, if he's not feeling hundred percent in his legs, you could see him definitely hitting a bit of a bit of, you know, a summer slump here. So I, I don't know. I could definitely see this affecting the Mets a bit more than Mets fans want to talk about, but will, you know, they've been a, a, a really deep lineup. And I think, you know, they don't want to see any injuries, but if anyone could handle these two injuries, it'd probably be the Mets. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. This, this lineup is very deep. That's why they're in first place. And ahead of games as they are, they just continue to find ways to win games. I know we'll get into it. They didn't do too well on the West coast so far, but going out West is kind of, a, it's a journey and it's, it's tough to play when you play all the way on the East coast and losing Alonzo, the MLB leader in RBIs, that's a big one. I'm not saying that Marte isn't if Marte was there, they'd probably be doing the same. Marte's a very good player. He's been playing pretty well in his first year with them, but losing Alonzo in a season where he is just absolutely tearing it up, could be turning some heads for M- for MVP discussions it's kind of tough, but this lineup will end up finding its way and it'll, it'll score the runs that they need to score. The big thing here though, 
is the pitching. Last night, Chris Bassett, that was ugly. And that's not the first time that he's really imploded. And one thing that I've said being on this, this show for the last couple of weeks is that if the Mets want to kind of even out this injury bug, the pitching really needs to step up with the guys that they have. I know they're two big names. DeGrom and Scherzer are out for significant time. So there is a lot of stress and pressure on these pitchers. But at the same time, some of these guys, you know, if they step up, they make a name for themselves. All they got to do is go in there, play their game, play strong, get a good quality start and offense will do its thing. Yeah. You know, and you touched on it. It was a really, it was a really tough start for Bassett last time, 3.1 innings, seven hits, six earned runs, two walks. And, you know, it, like Lou and I come back and er, return from this poor start and, and play like he was in the first half, but obviously it's an aging Bassett, you know, and he's shown flashes of, of, of who he was in his prime, but, you know, I don't think that we can really expect Bassett to have nearly the second half that he's had in the first half, Lou. Ah, I, but I, I'm a I'm a big believer in Chris Bassett. I think his stuff is good, and even when he's struggling, he's been pitching deep into games, which is huge because I think there are questions about the Mets bullpen and whether or not yeah. Bassett will be able to last through the year. The fact that even when he's struggling, you're still getting six out of him. I think if that's his worst, I, I think you'll take that. But I kind of – I would go the other way. I think I am a believer that Bassett can bounce back in the second half. I think it's only going to get better when Scherzer – I think his rehab's going really well. He's already thrown – DeGrom's supposed to be back August-ish. Yeah, no, DeGrom is fully pitching now, and, and that's a great point. If, if, if Bassett does have the kind of first half – or if he continues how well he's been playing and then DeGrom and Scherzer come back in a timely fashion, you know, th this Mets rotation. Also, it alleviates some of the pressure like too. So like, I, I think, you know, he's going out every five days. Like I have to be the one I, I'm the guy that this rotation is looking up to. I think some of that pressure probably goes away when you have guys like DeGrom and Scherzer come back. Obviously those are some of the best pitchers in the world. It's tough for Bassett too, because he in Oakland, when he was, really at his I don't want to call it peak because he's still a very good pitcher but when he was really dealing out there he wasn't even the ace out there so it's tough to give a guy that ace label when he's never been that guy before so the way that he's been throwing right now is a little concerning but I think just the way that he his track record is and the way that he gathers himself and recovers I mean we're talking about a guy that got drilled in the face last year and came back and still pitched really well towards the end of the season. And less than a month ago, though, he had an ERA under three at 277. Now it's at 435. Definitely not a number you want to see, but I wouldn't be too concerned. I, I would say just kind of flush out this West Coast trip. We knew it was going to be tough going in. You got to go play the Dodgers and the Padres, two teams that are duking out and really tough now West. And when, when you play the top two teams in a division as hard as that, it's not going to be an easy go through the nerds. So, um, honestly, though, I don't see too much concern. I think you just kind of – just one of those things in a baseball season where you just got to let it let the, uh, let the storm pass and then we'll get right back down to business. Yeah, in 162 games, you know, you'll have some up and downs. You'll, you'll, you'll deal with some, some little injuries here and there. But the, the Mets have absolutely gotten the worst of it. It's 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 the definition of the injury bug. When you think about it, DeGrom, Scherzer, McGill, who's finally making a start on Friday in Anaheim, which we'll get to in a bit. But McCann's out. And then Marte and Alonzo this week. It's When you think about all those names battling what they've battled this year, 
it's it's just a bad luck. It's a streak of bad luck if you're the Mets, but you know, they they've handled it. Guys like Guillermo have stepped up, you know, guys like JD Davis, they've been about and you know, they're on this West Coast swing right now, right? They go into the Dodgers, they drop two, they come back and they win the second half of the series, split the series. And then obviously they go to San Diego. They they take the first one carrying a bit of momentum from LA, beating a good Dodgers team. And then they deal with these two injuries in Martin Alonso. They get pounded the night they get injured. And then last night, it's even worse with Bassett getting killed. You know, it, it was a slaughter 13 to 2. So coming in now, they'll leave San Diego, they'll head a bit north to Anaheim. And obviously, we know how bad things have been as of late in Anaheim. 14 straight losses. And the, the Trout has been abysmal. He's he's battled some uh, little injuries here and there. But it'll be Otani on the bump, which is fun, if I'm not mistaken. Let me confirm that for me right here. And excuse me. No, that was I, – I knew that was an error. I got confused there. It won't be Otani, but he'll be later in the series. Um, but now that Joe Madden is not at the helm in Anaheim, you know, it, it's tough to, to see where the Angels go from here. Lou, I'm wondering, Mets coming off a tough stretch in San Diego. How do you see them bouncing back in Anaheim? Listen, I think it's a must. I think you can kind of summit the way this West Coast trip has has been so far, splitting a series, a four-game series against the Dodgers, who the Dodgers are a powerhouse. We know, Miles, you know all about the Dodgers, I'm sure. But to split that series again without DeGrom and Scherzer, I think you're okay with. To lose the three-game series to San Diego, factoring in the injuries of Alonzo Marte, uh, you're, not, you're not happy with the way those last two games went because they were blowouts, but... Uh, I think that's something you can stomach, but the way the angels are right now, I think the Mets have to look at this as got to win two out of three. Listen, the angels are just playing some of the worst baseball in the MLB right now. And this was a team that you look two and a half weeks ago, they were the fourth best team in the AL posting some of the best offensive and pitching numbers in the league. And now they're pitching some of the worst in baseball since they're losing streak. Their offense is the second worst in baseball since they're losing streak. So they're really just down bad, and it's it's a good opportunity for for the Mets to, to end this West Coast streak. West Coast trip kind of on a high note. You get to play a, a down bad Angels team. You have to win. Yeah, I think honestly, I think the Angels snapped their losing streak against the Mets. Just I'm gonna put that out there. I don't see the Mets sweeping the Angels. I think with how the the injuries have riddled the Mets I think they do win the series against the Angels because as you said Lou that's a must you got to get that done that has to be done coming back away from the West Coast and just get rid of this West Coast trip and be done with it because they are very tough but I think the Angels do end up squeezing out one win against the Mets they'll find a way to do it and you said Miles where the blame really goes I'm I'm not going to put it all on him I'll probably never put it all on him because he's the greatest player. It's got a lot and pretty heavy on the shoulders of Mike Trout. Nine hits in his last 14 games. And now he's day to day with a groin injury. It's not going to hit the IL, but it, it that's just terrible. He's never had such a cold streak in his entire career. So when your best player and when your best player is the best player in the world, when he is not playing well at all, it's kind of tough to win ball games. They lost one nothing yesterday to the Red Sox, and now Trout isn't that entire offense. We obviously know that Shohei Otani just dominated the offense last season for that Angels team. 
there are plenty of guys on that roster that are more than capable of scoring and generating a lot of runs. It just hasn't, it hasn't been the case over the last two weeks, obviously. So it's one of those rare things as well. It's very rare when an entire team is cold. There's been other instances where this has happened. This whole team is cold. And there will be a time in the season where they will get back on track. Thankfully, they were so above 500 where this season is definitely salvageable. And I do them probably getting back on track. Now, I do find the Madden firing to be a little rash. I, I think it was kind of a uh, an impulsive decision. I don't think it was completely necessary, but I totally understand why the Angels brass decided to go that direction. When you lose 12, 13, 14 straight games, it, your job is in jeopardy for sure, especially with the roster that you have and, and the uh, the window that you have to win with your core. You, you got to get things going. Joe Madden did not have a winning season with the Angels. He had the shortened COVID season in the end last year, and they, they just they have not been over 500. So maybe a change was needed in the middle of the season. I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe you just let him go, or, like run out his contract, but they, they clearly want to win now. They want to win now. I don't think their pitching is good enough to win now, but I think it's definitely good enough to make a decent playoff push. But we'll just we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Hopefully they end up getting on track someday. Yeah, and it's fair to mention his last two years because Joe Madden has absolutely not capitalized on some talent in the Angels organization over the last few years. But they only stand at 27 and 31 right now. And that's after dropping 14 straight. And that's really a testament to how good they were playing early in the year. You know, absolutely leading the AL West. It seemed that things were kind of coming together. You know, you, you have these two of the best players in the world and Trout and Otani. And, you know, if you were to tell me which, if you were to ask me which team do I think would have a 14-game losing streak, Angels would be one of the last teams I would ever say just because of their sheer star power. You know, teams like Milwaukee, teams like St. Louis, they don't they don't have an Otani. They don't have a Trout. You know, if teams go ice cold like that, middle mix squads, like you wouldn't be all that shocked. But when you see a team, you know, with this much talent playing this poorly, it's it's really shocking. And sometimes these losing streaks really just feel like bait trains once they get going you know it's you lose a couple and and the cold streak is just infectious it's, it spreads like wildfire and so it's, it's been hard to watch this Mets series is really interesting because it's the Mets coming off losing two stars in San Diego the third series of West Coast swing is fatigue an issue is missing your family an issue you know the Mets are in a big spot here losing two of their best players and then adding to their injury list you know, McGill comes back. That's an interesting theme. He'll get the start on the bump Friday. And then the Angels, obviously, losing 14 straight, a new manager. So there's, there's a whole lot of themes in this, this three-game set starting tomorrow in Anaheim. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. But it's a topic we kind of uh, touched on, but I didn't really give enough attention to, is, is Tyler McGill returning. He's, he's making his uh, first start in a really long time. Uh, this tomorrow against Anaheim so far, a four, four and two, four wins, two losses, uh, a 1.13 whip through 34.2 innings. So, you know, it's always interesting to see how guys like McGill come back after the IL, you know, it might be, it, it's hard to really find your groove, find your stuff early on. So I'm wondering, do you see the, the Mets continuing the Angels losing streak on Friday night with McGill on the bump, or will it be a bit of a shaky start for McGill coming back? I, 
I think it's going to be a shaky start for McGill. I just don't know whether or not the Angels still lose because I think the Angels are in a spot where they might face some shaky pitching and they could still find a way to lose. That's kind of been there are some games in this losing streak where you just laugh, at, especially the one Harper hits the grand slam and the Phillies come back in that game. And you're just kind of looking at it like, man, it's just happening again. Yesterday, they lose one nothing to, to Boston. And it's just one of those games where it's like they got good pitching and the, the bats couldn't get going. So I don't think that McGill is going to be super sharp coming back after this injury. I just I don't know whether or not the Angels are, are going to be able to get back. I agree with Will. I think they win the game in this series. I just don't know which one yet. I, I think that I don't think McGill will be shaky. He's obviously going to be on a short leash. They're not going to like go out there and pitch seven or eight innings. It'll probably be like between five or six, barring no implosion on the mound. You never know what will happen. He really wasn't pitching that great when up until he got injured. He was amazing in his first five, six starts. And then he kind of just, he kind of mm. started to fizzle out a little bit. He started to get a little colder. Maybe this IL stint was the answer for him to just get things back on track, put another arm in that rotation that they're going to need to just salvage some innings without Scherzer or DeGrom. I, you know, I'm not even going to throw DeGrom in this discussion because he won't salvage any innings if he's not on the mound. But for Scherzer, yeah, he was pitching well. And now you're down your ace there. And getting a guy like Tyler McGill back, maybe you bank on him being that guy he was in the first month or so in April. I could definitely see that happening for sure. I think he may put up a decent start. He's starting tomorrow against the Angels, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah, he is. First time he has pitched since May 11th. So honestly, anything can happen. I think he goes maybe five innings, depending on where his pitch count is. Um, hopefully, it'll be good. I think the Mets will end up winning that game, but we'll just—it's kind of just a wait and see for both of those teams. Honestly, the Mets—you just got to be patient. You know, this offense is going to be good. They've been good. They didn't score a lot yesterday, but they've been tremendous. You got guys like Francisco Lindor playing like he was playing with Cleveland back in the day, and. There's just many other names that I could keep rattling off that will contribute in this line. Eduardo Escobar hit for the cycle the other day. So there's just, there are plenty of guys to make some noise and put a decent amount of numbers on the board for this, this dragging pitching to just maybe have a bad start and still win the game or have a good start and still win the game. But um, like I said before, both of these teams, it's just kind of a wait and see the angels more so than the Mets. So we'll, we'll just have to, we'll have to see what happens. And as of late, the, it hasn't taken a lot of offense to beat the Angels, and the Mets sure do have a lot of depth. So I'll, I'll expect McGill to get some solid run support, to say the very least. And, you know, the, the Mets' bats have, have been hot as of late, obviously not in the last two. So we'll see if they're able to return to form a bit. But just before we move on a little bit, I do want to talk about Joe Madden. In my opinion, this was... This was a decision where, you know, I get it. You can't make all that many roster moves to change your squad. But Joe Madden is a guy that it's hard to improve upon. Genuinely, he's he's a clubhouse manager, someone who's super well respected in this league for so many years. Obviously, his tenure with the Rays is something we all remember. Something like, you know, Madden being the, the, the face of an MLB team for me personally it's the Rays it's just like a part of our generation childhood you know he's, he's a respectable manager who's been around for years and a lot I know a lot of players like playing for him and, and, and surely respect him I don't see how 
they improve upon it. You know, obviously I know you guys are more New York guys than I, so you might like this coaching change, but you know, it, it's a lot of weight to put on, uh, on Madden's shoulders. But uh, in this case, I just don't see how they improve. I, I want to get your guys takes on that. Yeah, it's listen, it, it's tough, man. I think Joe Madden has proven time and time again, that he's a pretty good manager. You mentioned his time with the Rays. He's also the guy, he breaks the the drought for the Cubs. He's the guy that wins the Cubs the World Series. I know there are a lot of good players on that team, but he's the manager at that helm. And it's also one of the things that struck me is, you know, he was interviewed after he found out that he got fired. And one of the things he talked about was the overuse of analytics and the fact that analytics are good, but he doesn't want them shoved down people's face. And at the end of the day, that you still need to be able, able to go out there, have fun and play baseball. just the crazy thing about him saying that is he's kind of the guy that brought analytics into this baseball he implemented that in tampa bay before anyone else was doing it for him to come out and say that is really striking and i kind of am with you guys i think it's a rash decision i think you look at phil nevin who again i like phil nevin just because their base coach at the yankees even though he made some questionable moves more so than his successes (laughs) sending judge in the in the wild card game probably not his best move i think people are actually happy that luis ross is now the third base coach i've noticed him a lot less which usually you don't want to notice the third base coach but phil nevin was a funny guy i'm happy for him that he gets to be the manager but i don't know I don't think you'd call it an upgrade, and I don't know. It hasn't changed anything so far. I mean, like, look at the Phillies, right? The Phillies get Rob Thompson, hey, another Yankees bench coach guy, and the Phillies are on a winning streak. So they fired Girardi, now they're on a winning streak with Rob Thompson. Not the case of the Angels. They have Nevin in there. They're still losing. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. I think it's an overreaction. I think Joe Madden, clearly a very good manager, deserves another job if he wants one um, in the MLB. So, yeah. So with the Angels. Yeah, oh, my bad. Oh, you're good, Miles. You're good. It's definitely not an upgrade. It's definitely not an upgrade. Love Philly Nevin, though. He was he was a fun, yeah. fun personality to have in New York. And one thing that I do like putting him in as the interim is that when he was with the Yankees, I, despite the decision-making at third base, he was a player's guy. This dude would get ejected as the third base coach coming out of the dugout, yeah. not coming off of the base path, but coming out of the dugout to defend his players. So it's a kind of guy that you – kind of want in charge because he's going to have you back no matter what. I think it's a good personality to have in that position, but yeah, it's definitely not an upgrade. The only way you're going to upgrade is with the guys on the field. Joe Madden can't play the game. Phil Nevin used to play the game. He's not playing the game anymore. So I don't, I don't really know. I think he'll probably be there for the rest of the season, but we'll, we'll just, we'll just have to see what the angels decide to do because I don't think they're out of it quite yet. They're definitely not out of it quite yet. And as you said, I like how you brought it up, Lou. Joe Madden was the guy that brought the Cubs that end that the end of that humongous drought that everyone is familiar with in all of sports. And another thing, another point that I really into baseball, but he did bring it in in a way in which he described in his interview, which was it's not going to be shoved down your throat. We're going to use it to our advantage because at the time people weren't using them as consistently as they're using them now. That's why the Rays were always so good. And the Rays are always a step ahead of everybody, but now he kind of just kept that same philosophy and the teams that he's had since leaving the Rays, they, they just kind of, they've trended downward. He won that world series with the Cubs and they just kind of, 
they went downward ever since. Same with the Angels. Like I said before, they hadn't had a, a, a season over 500 in his tenure. So maybe it is time for Joe Madden to just hang him up. He had, he had a very, very good resume, a very good managerial career. But who knows that he could easily fill a position in the coming offseason. So I don't know. So, yeah, it, Angels not playing well right now. Lost their last 14 and a coaching change. They got some of the biggest names in baseball and they're not taking advantage of it but now moving over to the other coast of the al within the other side of some of the biggest names in baseball on new york yankees obviously yesterday the yankees fell 8-1 Nestor, really his first poor start of the year i bet you'd agree with that but the yankees have been stellar absolutely 40 and 16 it's almost like rooting for my Dodgers at times where you expect to win games and you kind of just fall asleep at the wheel as a fan because you know 40 and 16 you think this division is ours um Lou I'm wondering moving forward you know the the Yankees are an absolutely stacked club do we see that their, their their 40 and 16 level of play continues through the second half Something about this team feels special. I think you do see a very similar pace throughout the rest of this year. If it doesn't happen, if it if it goes to tick down, I think you can accept that because the pace they're playing at right now is so insane. Really, no one else in the league is doing it. But I, I think they can keep it up. Again, I, I think the key that everyone keeps bringing up is the pitching. And that is the alarming thing about this Minnesota series is we've never seen the Yankees pitching really get hit like this, especially consecutive games. This is the first time all year that back-to-back starters have gone less than five innings while allowing more than three runs. Again, this is a rotation that up and down, all five guys have been so lights out. So to see Tyone and Nestor get hit, you can make the case those have been the two best guys in the rotation this year. That's a little alarming, but I, I, I firmly believe this pitching is going to play at this pace basically all year. I think it's just a little blip. Again, Nestor had like a 19-game streak where – he didn't allow – it was three runs or less. 19 straight starts, three runs or less. So he's got a little bit of room to have a little bit of a mess up here. I think he, he bounces back and we're just – we keep going. Honestly, I'm not even that alarmed. I'd say your point, Lou, is completely factual. I, under, I completely understand it too. But they're playing the Twins. You know, Twins first place in the American League Central. they got a good offense. They have a lot of good offensive bats. So to your point – where it could be alarming, okay, you know, these are two guys that are probably going to get postseason starts and maybe even against the Twins. And if they can't pitch against the Twins, that's that's a little bit of an issue. But it, the, the way that they've been playing, it, it's just unbelievable. It's historic. Their entire rotation has an ERA under three with the exception of Jordan Montgomery, who is at almost an even three. So it's just a problem down the road because pitching like this, it doesn't always stay consistent. Now, you could bet that the Yankees pitching will stay this consistent because realistically, you only need three of your five guys to continue to pitch the way that they are. Other two can just, you know, kind of be mediocre. But since everyone's been good, it's very rare that you have five guys that could legitimately start a playoff game this year. But point I think this team will need another starting pitcher come the trade deadline not because it is a desperate need but because of more of a depth kind of avenue you want to have another guy that is going to give you those innings and give you more quality starts even if you don't really need it because by August these guys are going to be tired 
these guys are going to have they're they're going to be like so high on pitching well that when it comes to the dog days of summer in August and early September, that's when the stakes get a lot higher. So having another guy to ease those innings on these guys would be very beneficial. You lost that guy in Luis Heel. He'd come up and make a spot start as the sixth man. Now you don't have that sixth starter. So finding I, – I don't even want them to find a sixth starter. I kind of want them to find that guy that would fit into the rotation as a three or a four and then make Montgomery the, uh, the sixth starter. I think that's the way that they should go. They also have a little bit of a hole in the outfield – that is definitely salvageable. I don't think that it's a complete burden, but also bulking on that could really propel this team forward. And honestly, I don't really see anything else. Those are the other two. Those are the only two things I see this team really needs to get locked down, but that doesn't have to come until July. Other than that, this team has been unbelievable. They've been better than some of the good Yankee teams that we've seen over the past five, six seasons. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I don't say too much about the Yankees because I'm a big Yankee fan. I, I don't want to jinx anything. So you just I, – I take it one game at a time. Playing the Twins tonight when we get to Friday. It's been an impressive first half, to say the very least, and a huge part of that has been the bat of Aaron Judge. Obviously, we know the storyline with Judge this year. He bet on himself this year, declined the extension, and it seems like it's really paying off. Judge is, it's important to remember, Judge is 30 years old. Judge came into his stardom later than most, right? So now that he's 30 as a free agent, it puts him in a really interesting position. He'll be looking to get that 8-10 to year deal, you'd have to assume. He's going to want that guaranteed money. And so it's a bit, you know, there are a lot of trade rumors surrounding, surrounding, excuse me, free agency rumors surrounding Judge. And the latest was out at John Heyman. Uh, he was saying that the the Giants seem to be the front runner when it comes to signing Judge in the offseason that they're going to give the Yankees a run for their money. And to me, that's a bit silly. You know, it's it's June. How can you legitimately make an offseason free agency prediction like such? That seems a little bit ridiculous. But I do think it speaks to a grander theme in that every team who has the cash is going to go after judge in some capacity. It's going to be a tough position for the Yankees. And, you know, given that he's 30 and he's going to want eight to 10, I could see the Yankees not wanting to give him as long or as large of a deal as he could get elsewhere. I'm wondering, you know, to me, it doesn't seem like it's all that likely that he stays in New York. Lou, what's your thoughts? Listen, it's it's not a certainty. That's kind of the scary thing. I think there are a lot of people that go, oh, a judge loves New York. He'll take the, the hometown discount. That was proven wrong in the offseason when the Yankees gave him a fair offer. It wasn't, you know, it didn't blow him out of the water, but it was certainly a fair offer. And Judge Ben himself, as he should, because we're, as we're seeing, he's one of the best top, top five baseball players in the league right now. But I think any notion that he's going to sacrifice money to stay in New York, I think that's a little misguided. Uh, I think the question is whether some team comes out and goes, Aaron Judge just completely changes who we are and what we can do. And they're kind of just completely willing to overpay. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure that the money is really the, the breaker for the Yankees. It's kind of the, the length. Again, the Yankees already have quite a couple long contracts when you look at, at Stanton and Cole. And I think especially Stanton's, the better Stanton plays, the better that contract looks. But I think the Yankees in their history, it looks like they've been trying to get away from those huge mega deals and, you look at some of the mega deals and how they've panned out. 
the end of Miguel Cabrera's contract doesn't look great. Those last couple of years, even though he's still, he's still hidden, still doing his thing. He's not prime Miggy anymore. That Albert Pujols contract. That's always one that a lot of people point to. I think that's a little bit of an outlier because he kind of just completely fell off after the first couple of years. But I think the Yankees are scared, scared. If someone, if some team offered judge 10 years, 10 years and a bunch of money, I don't think the Yankees match that, and Judge isn't crazy to take that deal. That's a lot of money. Like I think, yeah. Oh, I think that Judge will ultimately stay with the Yankees. I think the Yankees are honestly getting kind of lucky here. The fact that they're playing this well and have the potential to go to the World Series and maybe even win it, that will give them. I think a slight discount over someone like the Giants or not even the Giants, just yep. over someone who will pay 300 plus million for 10 years. I don't see Judge getting that. Uh, you were alluding to it, Miles. He's 30 years old. Somebody's giving him 10 years. He's going to be 40. He's not going to play right field at 40 years old. He's just not at that size. It's not happening. It's just not happening. I don't see it happening unless he just miraculously can move the way that he does now, maybe a little slower. But I don't, I don't see him getting a 10-year deal. I see him may, maybe getting seven to eight. The Yankees will give him good money. And if they go on to win the World Series, I, will, I can tell you right now that they will find a way to keep him because this team and this fan base, Lou, you know all about it too. It's all about tradition. This fan base is all about tradition. This guy is the face of this franchise. He's a guy. Fans are big on captains. We know Derek Jeter, Don Madden, like Thurman Munson, Derek Jeter. I can keep going, but I'm not. Judge is that face. He's that kind of person that you want to have. And he is this Yankees generation's best player. So keeping a guy like him, I feel like is very important, especially if they go on some magical run. Now, if they don't win, I still can see him staying because they're going to have good pieces to work with. You were saying, Lou, with Giancarlo, when he plays better, the contract looks better. In my eyes, honestly, it's as simple as this. When he plays the outfield, that contract looks better. When he is not just the designated hitter, that contract is more than worth it because he's moving around. Now, yesterday he looked a little all over the place. There was a lot of action on right field, but he's not a gold lover, but he's not a bad fielder either. So that contract really isn't that bad either. You're going to have Garrett Cole for some time. The way that he is built, the kind of arm that he has, he's going to be throwing bullets and darts for probably for the rest of his career. So... Right now, that contract, we know how it is. Coles can sometimes get just jumped or he'll be the best player in baseball. There's uh, definitely a lot of contracts the Yankees have to work with, but getting Judge High on the priorities list. And I can definitely see it happening, but I can also see him going elsewhere as well. It'll be an interesting offseason to say the very least. You know, Judge will have his hands full, you know, a lot of options there. And you got to think, you know, the Yankees, even if they're willing to give him seven or eight, that should be enough to lure Judge because – there's a lot keeping judge in New York. Like you guys touched on it for sure. It's that if judge signs a long-term deal with the Yankees, this off season, he's cemented into Yankee history. 
And that is something that has to be an attractive idea. If you're Aaron judge, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to make your millions and go on, but it, it's a, it's a whole nother thing to be considered in the, in the likes of Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, uh, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, it, it's a whole different, uh, you know, legacy to leave. And I think that judge, I, I'll be surprised if he takes his whatever $80 million difference to leave New York. I, I, I'd be surprised, but you know, there's going to be a lot of callers and if the Yankees are going to be in a tough spot because we, we know the Yankees are going to want to give him 10. And, 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 and it, I'd be really happy if they were to give him seven or eight, but it, it's sure going to be a storyline the rest of the year. But just as we wrap up our Yankees talk real quick, as I touched on this a little bit before that as a Yankees fan, you're 40 and 16. It can feel like you're, you're just going through the motions. You fall asleep at the wheel, but it's going to take a lot to really make a pennant push to really make a championship push. And Lou, I'm wondering if you had to, pinpoint a certain player a certain area of the Yankees what's going to need to improve to really guarantee their spot late in the postseason listen you know there are two players that have really caught the the bulk of the Yankee fans ire and it's Aaron Hicks and Joey Gow the person I'm picking here I think it has to be Aaron Hicks because Joey Gow is the far more tradable piece he's a year this is his last year in the contract I think you look at Gallo and it's if he gets the home runs up he's kind of on brand for what he's doing when he's playing his best brand of baseball. It's still kind of ugly. The batting average is still low. He's going to strike out a ton. The allure is the power. Uh, I think Aaron Hicks, it's a lot harder of a piece to move with the contract that he's on. And the fact that right now it's kind of like, he's basically done nothing. Although I will admit since June, the last seven games, I don't want to say he's on a heater, but he leads the team in batting average. He's hitting 402, 900 OPS in June. And so uh, Hicks is the guy that I don't think you can move. So I think you want him to either be good because it's either if he's, if he's, you're not getting any production from him and it's September, you're looking at possibly DFAing him or, or trying to find a replacement for him at the trade deadline. I still think you can move Gallo. I don't think you can move Hicks. So if I had to pick Hicks is the guy that I want to see improve the throw we saw yesterday from left field gunning Gio Rochelle out at the plate. That's something we haven't seen from Hicks at all. His feeling's been awful mm. this year, but it's, like, his arm used to be a huge, a huge skill that he had. He used to have some of the strongest throws in the MLB. The fact that he made that throw, it just gives me a little bit of hope. And if he could just get the hitting going a little bit, maybe everything else follows. His on base percentage, I was looking at the other day, it's still over 350. So I know like it doesn't feel like a good watch, but like mm. he's a weird player where he could have some weird stats that are sneaky good. So uh, for me, it's Hicks. If Hicks can be better, I think that's that's just a huge piece of the bottom of the lineup. I think the, I agree with you there. I think the most likely piece to be moved personally, don't think either of them are going to go. I think that piece would be Joey Gallo. Lou, I think you said it best. He's the most attractive option there. It, the, the problem though, is that he's on an expiring contract. Will a team be, will a team be willing to, to take on Joey Gallo? Or maybe it's not a problem. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, they'll get him for half a season. They'll get some fans in there. I don't know. It's kind of a tough spot for the Yankees, personally. But if one of them just kind of gets going a little bit, personally, I think that Aaron Hicks is that guy that stays in that lineup almost all the time. They'll both get at-bats um, equally, as many, as many as they can get. 
they're both going to find their way into the lineup. But the kind of guy that I want in the lineup there is Aaron Hicks. I said this way back in April. I was on one-on-one with Danny, Danny Scott and Ryan Gregware. And I was talking about how Aaron Hicks should be the leadoff guy just because of how much he gets on base. The amount of times that these guys that are in two, three, four, five, six, sometimes the amount of times that they drive in runs per game, getting a guy like Aaron Hicks. Yeah. Is he going to strike out? Is he going to get on base every single time? No, but the likelihood of him getting on base is higher than some of the guys that are ahead of him. So put him higher in the lineup instead of stashing him at the lower part, just so you can create more runs for yourself. I think that Brian Cashman will end up not moving them because they'll find a way to make the offense work. It's been working, but as I said, it's going to be the pitching. I think if the Yankees really want to take the step forward, you and honestly, for a lot of good playoff teams, you need to have that pitching depth. You need to have those guys that are going to eat those innings. Those guys are going to give you those gritty starts. You need, they're going to need a pitcher in the rotation maybe, and maybe, maybe just one more bullpen arm. Just one more. Not even, They don't need to go crazy on the bullpen, but just get one more guy. You lose Chad Green. You're still down with – Roldis Chapman and Jonathan Loisega, maybe just adding one more guy in there so these arms aren't taxed by August may be a good thing for the Yankees. I, I don't know if I'm crazy. I would almost prioritize bullpen over starters because I think, again, Clark yeah. Schmidt used to be a starter. I think he's a guy that if you get him built up, could be a starter. Michael King used to be a starter. I don't think yeah. he's taken out of the bullpen. I think there are some in-house options for that that other starter. I do like what you said about like if you were if you were to get a starter, I would say don't waste on getting a six man. Like go out get a, a third or, or four starter. If you're gonna get a starter, yeah. go off. But I would almost prioritize the bullpen because I think if if you look at the bullpen right now and you look at the arms beyond Clay Holmes and Mike King, it gets a little weird and a little sketchy. And again, you're waiting for Loisley to get back. You're waiting for Chapman to get back. But remember, those two guys weren't what they've been in years past. So. I don't think it hurts to get another bullpen arm. I've been advocating for David Bednar in Pittsburgh. I think he's electric. I think that would be, I don't think you'd have to give up too much to get him. And I think he's a really nice get. Um, but I, I like where you're coming from because from pitching, just because I think it's a little pie in the sky to expect that this five man rotation is going to be this dominant and this healthy the whole year. So I think you're going to need pitching depth. You're going to need some more arms. So I'm right with you, Will. I completely agree that if they're going to make any additions, it won't, it won't be to this lineup. They have, a, they have a plethora of offensive weapons, so it'll be interesting to see if they sure up that bullpen. Those Yankees will be in action in just about 15 minutes at the time of recording here on June 9th. Uh, they're in Minnesota tonight. Cole on the mound against Dylan Bundy there. This will be the last game of that three-game set in Minnesota Following that one tomorrow night, they'll return home. Three games set against the Cubs. That's a real opportunity to pick up some wins for sure, pick up some momentum before they have the Rays, a legitimate uh, opponent in the Rays. So a lot of interesting stuff going on with the Yankees. And that'll do it for this episode of Nosebleeds. Thanks so much for watching. As always, it's a production of WFUV Sports. Sports director is Bobby Chaffardini. I'm Miles Grossman. Thank you so much to Lou Orlando and Will Talent. We will see you next week.